So I'm here with Alex McCaw, the former CEO and founder of Clearbit, and now the CEO and founder of Reflect. And Alex, first of all, you're a great friend. So it's just really fun to see you and talk to you. And the reason that I wanted to talk to you today was because I want to share with the world this idea of, do you need to be the CEO? Do you enjoy being the CEO? If you don't enjoy the being the CEO, should you actually be the CEO? And I remember there was a moment when you came to me and you said, Matt, I'm, I'm not having fun being the CEO of Clearbit anymore. And I think I said to you, well, Alex, if that's the case, then you're not the best CEO for Clearbit. Because if you're not having fun, you're not digging in and doing all the motions that are needed to be great at being the CEO. And I even shared with you that, you know, Naval at AngelList had had a similar moment. And he had had this epiphany where he realized he could take himself out of the role and put someone else in the role and eventually found someone who's just crushing it. And not only is Naval's life better, but AngelList is operating better and is, is creating much more value. So it's a win-win. And, and I remember you saying to me, Matt, yeah, but that's like Naval and that's that situation that doesn't really apply to me. And, you know, you had all kinds of reasons why it didn't apply to you. Well, eventually you made the decision to step down to CEO of Clearbit. You started to reflect. So hindsight is 2020. Was it the right decision? Yeah, unequivocally. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I'm happier now than I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah, I would say it was it, it was a very difficult decision. You know, the, the first thing to realize as a founder is you don't have to be the CEO, which is a crazy idea for, for a lot of founders. Like, I think they think that they have to be running it. There's, they make all sorts of reasons well, up, or Alex, at least not I they, did. you, you thought yeah. this, right? Yeah, so, so I, I was like, um, I'm amazing at product. And without me, this, the company is gonna fail because I'm, I'm this product leader and uh, the, the, the company needs me. And that turned out to be incorrect. Um, and then you also have a lot of feelings around fear of failure and um, you know, what, what, what are other people gonna think of you? If you don't personally IPO the company, are you a failure? Like all of these things going through your head is extremely difficult to get to the point where you're like, actually, I want to leave. I'm not the best person for the company. Well, actually, those are two different things. I want to yeah. leave, but often your brain is telling you, but I can't. And I have yes. to stay here because I am the best person. So how That's did you, right. you, you easily got to, I want to leave. What yes. was hard was realizing that you weren't the best person. What made you realize that? Or how'd you get there? I really got to the point where I really, really wanted to leave. And then I was looking in the mirror and just thinking, man, what are you good at, Alex? You're really good at the zero to one. The stuff, you know, the company was about 100 people at the time. Like the, the stuff that was required at that point are you good at? Not really. Things like communication, storytelling, getting buy-in, all this big company stuff. Human conflict. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all of that, I, you know, I was good at enough that the company was doing well, but was I the best at? No. Did I enjoy it? No. And what I realized was that zero to one phase uh, that I'm really good at is actually quite rare to find to be good at that, and there's not very many people who can actually do it. 
so I uh, so I was thinking honestly, the best place for me uh, in this you know in the system of uh, is it's honestly just to do that zero to one and hire someone to do the one hundred to you know a billion, <laughs> and uh, and so that was really one that was like okay now now we're actually going to start the search for another CEO, and that's when I told my exec team, and that's when we got a search firm involved and i can take you through that process if you if you'd like yes yeah. because what are the lessons learned there because there are going to be a few people who are going to be who are going to react to this and go yes i hate being the ceo too i also have those same thoughts that i have to be in the chair but they don't i don't really want to be and then they're going to think but wait a second how do i actually hire a ceo who's actually going to know the company as well as i do who's actually going to be able to yes they'll maybe be better at all that people management stuff but they'll be, but they'll have no knowledge of the product, no knowledge of the customers. Like, how do I find someone that has both? Well, so my advice, so let's just say you've got to this point where you realize that not only do you not like the stage, but you are not the best person. You're going to hire someone. Okay, so the, the next step, I think, is to go out and talk to uh, people who've done it before, people like myself, or uh, there's, there's actually quite a few ex-CEOs out there, and ask them for advice. Um, I did that, and and some of the advice. So I chatted to Naval. I chatted to some other CEOs who've been through the process. First of all, it's a very reassuring chat um, because you see their lives, and they'll tell you about their lives, and and they'll tell you the world didn't end for them, and actually they really enjoy their new lives. So that will give you some kind of hope, which which is actually quite useful at that point. Um, and then the other advice I got was. Hiring an external CEO is very difficult. Um, 50% of the time it fails. So if you've got a good internal candidate, uh, try and go with an internal candidate. Um, so that would be my advice to, to founders as well. If there is someone who is a, a really, if maybe they're already kind of running the company anyway. They're your COO, they're well respected by the rest of the org. They are kind of the CEO in everything but name. Um, and they can take over if the co-founder of the company even better um, because then there's some gravitas associated with that. But if they haven't, just make sure that everyone kind of views them the same way that you view them and, uh, and that your leadership team uh, would be very supportive. Everyone needs to be very supportive of, of this if it's going to happen. Um, so that would be, I would first look internally. If that doesn't work, then go and go and find a CEO search firm, and there are companies out there that um, specialize in this, and uh, they are very, very good at it. To to be blunt, who do you use? We use True. Great, I've heard great things about True. Yeah, I'd highly recommend them. So I guess the process is easier than you think, and harder than you think. You know, I the fact that there's this limited pool. Of people who are capable of doing this, um, and but uh, but, but the, the the search firm will know them all if they're any good. So that actually helps immensely, um, and so that part is actually kind of easier. Um, it's 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 much easier to find these people because almost by definition they have a good track record. Mm -hmm. uh, they they've created easy to identify credible companies. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, that part's easier. And then you have to do the, the interviewing. So it, for us, it took six months to find someone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we had a few um, uh, dead endings, and uh, you know, I, I would say that the same goes for any search process. Make sure that you are not left with one candidate at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It, it'll take a lot of interviewing, and like, you, everyone will need to interview them. Um, obviously, it's it's probably you or the board's final call, but um, uh, but every everyone is going to need to feel involved, even if they're not the decision maker there. Yeah, Perfect. makes sense. Oh, that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have, I don't know if you did this, but my, my sort of little trick in onboarding an executive and certainly a CEO would be to not just bring them in and have them start the job day one and give them the responsibility, but instead have them come in and shadow the person who is currently running the company for 30 days, 60 days to understand how you do it so that they can yeah. take all the things that you do well, but then add on the things that they do better as opposed to come in complete culture change, you know, day one. Oh my God. Um, I don't know if you did that or not, but that's my recommendation. Well, I think that works for execs. I would be skeptical of that working with CEOs because I think they do want a total change. Like they're coming in, they want to set a new culture. They want to do things their way. And this is what you're hiring them to do. If you micromanage them, uh, they will fail. Uh, because the whole point is for them to do stuff differently than you were doing it. Um, and so I le- it, I, maybe it just depends on the person, but in my, in, in my circumstance, um, you know, I, I'd actually given up the reins of the company uh, when I decided to hire another CEO um, and, and made uh, one of my co-founders interim CEO. Um, and so we actually had a very distinct like zero to one shift, you know, complete binary shift rather than um, Ross, the CEO we ended up hiring, Ross Moser, rather than him kind of, uh, you know, learning the reins from me. I think, honestly, he, so this, the the kind of, this is actually quite interesting. So the kind of guy that you, or girl that you want to hire, to hire, to run your company, who should you look for? Now, um, ex-CEOs are one thing. Um, they they clearly got a proven track record. They've done it before. Um, but also have a look at really senior executives at companies that have gone public. If someone has taken the company public, that is quite, um, that's very interesting, especially for the stage. So we hired Ross Moser, who um, was a GM at SurveyMonkey, and he basically ran all of revenue for SurveyMonkey. Um, and, uh, you know, he'd never been a CEO before, but I, there was not much for me to teach him, honestly. He already had been running much bigger teams, much larger P&Ls, and had a lot more experience for the stage than I had. Well, as a general manager, yeah. he's responsible for the whole business unit. So he's responsible right. for both the money coming in and the money going out. And that's actually gives someone the complete picture. So that's right. Even though he wasn't CEO, he actually was CEO of a division of a business unit, as opposed to being the head of a function, which only saw money going out, but didn't see the money coming in. That's right. Yeah. Great. So he's, he has CEO experience within a company. Yeah. And, uh, so how's it going? Well, Ross took over the company and, uh, he has been, in the seat for almost a year. 
Um, he has doubled the company's revenue. Uh, we have the be best retention we've ever had in the company's life. Um, company's break even. So it is. Uh, it's just incredible. It is doing way way better than when I, when I was running it. So. Uh, you know, I could, I could just, I should have honestly, in retrospect, found another CEO for the company when we were about 30 people instead of 100. That's awesome. I mean, that's the big admission right there. And, and thank you for being willing to say that. But he's actually, I think what you just said is Ross is doing not only a better job than you, a far better job than you. Is that fair? Yeah. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. awesome. That is like, that's the liberating yeah. fact. So yes, for... For founders out there who are having the same dilemma that they're no longer having fun in the CEO slot, it's no longer a choice between, but I'm the best person. It's actually now like, I'm actually probably not the best person. And there's probably someone who's actually yeah. far better than me. How liberating. Yeah. And now, now the second part, that's the first win. The first win is that the company's yeah. doing a lot better. Let's see if we get the second win. How are you doing? Can you please describe to us your life now and whether or not it's better than it was when you were sitting in the chair, Clearbit? Oh my God, it's amazing now. So after I left Clearbit, I wanted to kind of get back to my roots and build a lifestyle business, one that didn't scale, take on venture capital, one where I was doing a lot of programming and product development myself because zero that's what one. I love to do. Right? Yeah, the zero to one. And so I started a company called Reflect. It's a, essentially a, a networked note-taking tool. And it's something that I use every day, my friends use every day. Um, we just soft launched it and now we have, um, th about three, three, 400 paying customers and we're close to break even. Um, and it is the most amount of fun in the world. Um, this is the only meeting that I have this week and, uh, and my, my calendar is entirely open. I have spent the majority of the summer, uh, kite surfing in Puerto Rico and then just coding in the in the mornings and evenings and uh yeah i've never been happier that is awesome <laughs> now but but let me poke a little bit but what about the prestige of being the ceo of a company that's doing 20 30 million dollars in revenue has a hundred mm. employees what has a beautiful office in san francisco what about that what about that that prestige being gone yeah, you know, I think some people might find that harder than others. Um, for me, I never cared about that in the first place. Um, I viewed uh, any kind of prestige or notoriety as something I had to have in order to get the job done, in order to hire people, in order to sell investors. And that was kind of part and parcel, but it wasn't something I, I really sought out. Mm -hmm. And so I was called, uh, I, it has not been a problem that, that my inbox, no one sends me emails anymore. Other, uh, and, uh, certainly not about Clearbit and it's not something I miss, uh, personally. So other people might find that that a little harder. Um, but you know, if they, if you do really find it incredibly hard, then just start another business and, <laughs> And uh, kind of do the whole thing again. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, actually, it turns out, I think, Alex, what you've created now is actually far more impressive. I know you're not doing it to be impressive. You're not doing it for what other people think of you. You're not doing it for any kind of prestige. But from where I'm sitting, what you've done is, frankly, amazing and, and, and groundbreaking. 
So you, you've oh, built an app good. that people are using, basically built it yourself. You've hired contract uh, programmers to extend your ability, but you've built the majority of it. Um, your your payroll costs are, um, are, are negligible and you're bringing in, and you said you have you know, $20,000, $30,000 of revenue. You're, you're a break even. That's, that's shocking to have built a product that's really good, works really well, that people are using it, love it, it's clearly going to expand dramatically from here and basically on almost no money. You own 100% of the company, which I think mm. is significant because what, what I think is, you know, even in Clearbit, you owned a lot of the company. But even so, once you give away pieces of the company, suddenly you have other owners, you have partners. Even if they're only own, you know, a few basis points of the company, they mm -hmm. now feel vested in how they want the company to go they're going to sort of argue and pressure. And now you lose control of the, the environment that you want to build. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of pressure at Clearbit to grow into this massive thing. And I remember you very much mm -hmm. wanted to stay at 30, 40 people and keep that intimate yeah. family culture. And you were totally happy yeah. there, but you're, the other people around the table wanted something much bigger. And so now That's you right. actually get to create and keep the exact environment that you want. And my posit is, Shockingly, I, here's my prediction. We'll see if I'm right 10 years from now. Reflect is actually going to create even more value than Clearbit because you're going to keep it this super joyful place and you're going to, and it's, you're just going to make it better and better and better. You're never going to let it get beyond what you enjoy. That's my prediction. Yeah. Who knows if I'm right? Well, that's very kind of you. We shall see. But, you know, what I found when, when I was um, at Clearbit, or just this happens, I think, in any company, is people are motivated by their incentives. Like, it sounds obvious in retrospect, but if they have equity in the business, they're going to be pushing for growth, growth, and growth. And what, what I found was the, um, the push for growth was not from our investors, which I initially thought it would be. It's actually from your, your senior team. And that makes sense, right? That's how they're incentivized. Um, so I, I mean, and that, and that is great if you are on an IPO track, which, which Clearbit is and you're venture backed and that's kind of the name of the game and that's what you set out to build. If you're just trying to build a lifestyle business, then I think it's quite important that you own all of it and that you, uh, you don't give out any shares because ultimately it is, it is quite disingenuous if you're giving out shares in the business and you ne are never going to sell the business. Um, if you are going to do uh, some, if you if you do want to share the rewards as the business grows, then do some kind of bonus structure or some kind of profit sharing agreement. Um, but if you start giving out equity, then people are going to be like, okay, well, now we need to grow and grow and grow and raise money and yada 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 because this actually needs to be worth something. Um, so. If you can do it, and not everyone is in a position to do it, but if you can, I suggest bootstrapping it and owning 100% of it if your goal is to create a lifestyle business. To your point about clear, about Reflect maybe being um, more successful than anything I've done in the past, uh, I think potentially we can keep it small and make it very successful from a revenue perspective because we're in B2C, um, which... In B2B, you need a whole army of people. Um, if, you're, if you're running a 20 million, um, even, you know, even a 20 million ARR business in B2B, you need a lot of people. You, you need 
SDRs and sales reps and sales managers and uh, product marketing and like the HR and the, to manage those people, you, you need a huge amount of people uh, in B2C so far. Um, I, I haven't needed that many people. I have uh, three other engineers and that's, and that's it. Um, and, and there are some amazing examples of companies like WhatsApp, for example, that uh, sold for billions of dollars with only a, f- a few people. So I think it's, that is possible in the, in the B2C world. Yeah. And there's also another point that you and I discussed a while back, which uh, really resonates with me, is that products, once they scale massively in terms of users, are very difficult to make better. Because now yeah. you're dealing with infrastructure, now you're dealing with security, and so the pace mm-hmm. of code change slows way down, and just basically mm-hmm. the momentum and the energy slows way down. And so mm-hmm. you and I talked about how you create, like a, you need a certain amount of users to test and see whether it's working and see what resonates and what people want else want to see, but, but you don't need more than that. And then once, and, you, and that's still a rapid change environment, you don't need big infrastructure, you don't need big security. And so you can iterate, 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 iterate until the product just can't get any better. And then you can open up the floodgates and blow it out to the world, which is basically what Slack mm-hmm. did. And so if you're going to mm-hmm. do that, you need either really understanding investors or no investors at all. Because mm-hmm. what you can't have is someone breathing down your neck or, as you say, senior team breathing down your neck saying, we got to grow now, grow now, grow now before the product is as good as it can possibly be. So as soon as you start scaling and adding headcount, product development slows down to an absolute crawl. Um, and often you will end up having to do big rewrites um, and with, with a large team that takes forever and you basically end up not releasing anything new f- for years. And so you have to make sure that you have an excellent product before scaling it. And uh, Slack is a, is a great example. I think they were in private beta for at least a year. Um, I heard it was more like three, super, but I'm making that up. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a long, long time. Superhuman is another example. They they actually have talked a lot about this process. Um, and they, they had this small uh, beta group that they uh, test and test and test stuff with. And actually, that's what we've been doing with Reflect. You know, Reflect has been in a kind of early access private beta mode for about four months and only recently have we started just like opening the floodgates and like soft launching it and um i'm really glad we did it that way because i've i think i'm very very proud of the product like the 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 level of quality is really high and that is only possible because i was not distracted i was not answering a thousand support emails or worrying about marketing or this or that. I was literally just coding every day, focused on that product. Let's go through the whole path. The path was started Clearbit, built a great product, had a small team, was really enjoying it. And then your team, your senior team said, hey, let's grow, blow this out. Let's really grow this thing. You're like, uh, I don't really want to do that. But you agreed because they were unanimous. Yeah, I definitely agreed. Yeah. yeah. And, and then suddenly you started growing it. And sure enough, they got exactly what they wanted, which is revenue started growing, the business started doing better, created more value, but the prediction and fear that you had also played out and it was no longer fun for you. And then you yeah. got to the point where, shit, like, this is like my baby, because it was your baby. You had this family that you'd created and you didn't want to leave it. Yes. And you also had this thought that 
you're the product guy there. There is no other, like you're the product engine. And, yeah. and then you had this epiphany and you say, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to dive off the cliff and, and I'm going to first, you know, you know, Matt took over CEO and then you hired Ross as CEO. And the result you've mm-hmm. seen is the business is now way better. And then yeah, on your personal life, yeah. and then on your personal life, it's actually even better sounds like than it was in the early days of Clearbit when you had that little family which you were wanting to hold on to. It sounds like your your life now is even better than that. Is that true? Yeah. I would say it's better in different ways. Yeah. Uh, and my only addendum to, to what you said is all 100% accurate is I'm glad I did it once. Um, I'm glad I did it once. I'm glad I scaled the venture back business once. Um, I don't want to do it again personally. Um, but my God, it was so much fun and I learned so much and I grew up, I literally became an adult, uh, running Clibit, you know, went through my twenties at, at Clibit. So, uh, it, it was amazing. Um, but I, I kind of sort through it and, and, uh, and when, it, when, when you're through, you're through and you just got to understand that and admit it and, and deal with it. Awesome. I love it. This is going to be a very inspirational story, Alex, for a lot of people because there are a lot of folks who are in that same position. And this is probably when I encounter folks who are in this position, this is the single hardest choice for them to make. I mean, your, your point mm. example, um, and, um, all other things pale in comparison to leaving the CEO role because it is truly a one way door. You can't, once mm-hmm. you, you can't, you can't go back. And, uh, no. yeah. And you don't know how things are going to perform until you do leave. And so, yeah, there's a tremendous amount of fear there. And both you and Naval are proving that the other side can be way better for the company and way better for you as well. You can have your cake and eat it too. Certainly. Awesome. Yeah. And if any of uh, any founders out there want to talk to me about it, just send me an email. I'm alex at alexmccall.com and I'll, I'll walk you through it. Fantastic. Alex, thank you so much. That was awesome. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it.